very excited about these chapters. So today we're going to start with chapter three, how perception is created. And I'll just read the little quote at the beginning uh, that Jamie has in here from David Bohm. Thought creates the world, then says, I didn't do it. <laughs> so this this chapter for me, I don't know, it was like I picked up on the repetitive nature of the message and really took that as, you know, Jamie's attempt to really bang home this point because it's like, and, and the fact that this is early on in the book, I think is, is important because it, it sets the tone for basically how the, the everything else kind of plays out. Um, so maybe I'll pass it over to you guys to see what, what jumped out at you first in this chapter. Yeah, for me, right, right from from the beginning, I guess this is the bit that sort of hit me, if you like. Um, you know, he starts off with the, the the in a dream, your mind continually creates and perceives a world simultaneously, so well that you don't feel your brain doing the creating, and like that in itself, in the reading thereof, I thought. I don't get that mm. because effectively it was it's as if I was looking for that simultaneous bits that I couldn't see. I mean, how does that happen? It cannot be. So, okay, well, I'll read on. And then as, as he says, you know, in your waking experience of reality, your mind continuously creates and perceives a world simultaneously. So this is more his word. So well, that you don't feel your mind doing the creating. He repeats it. And then I sort of get it, yeah, because that is exactly what it is that we don't get mm. most of the time. And it's the bit in the middle, which is the realisation that you're doing it. Mm. So, I, and then reading that and then thinking about that, I kind of realise that every time we as coaches, that's the bit that we're pointing to. It's the the bit that we do have consciousness awareness and it's in there. And it, on a day-to-day -day basis, looks like it's just not there. So how can you point somebody in a direction of something that isn't there, which is like really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I must admit, it took me about an hour longer, I think, because I spent about an hour on that bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, but I don't even know if I gave myself an answer, except it, what I came up with is a question. So does awareness lie in the middle of all that? Mm. And then from that, as I asked the question, I'm wondering, well, maybe I'll see that further on. And, and like, is that sort of the, the crux of the matter? Is is that it, the bit in the middle between, you know, your 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 mind and your perception? It's the bit in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I have no answer to what I just said. As I said, <laughs> it was something to ponder. I'll be pondering on it probably for another week to come. Yeah. Well, maybe by the time we're done uh, discussing this chapter, you'll have your answer. Well, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, and as I'm sitting here now, because of course I have, of course I've read the chapter, um, I, I, I've noticed that it seems to be that way, but it's so fleeting and so um, moment, not even momentary, it's less than a moment, it's, it's milliseconds, it's milli-something. That indeed, on a, on a day-to-day basis, it's very hard to grasp. Therefore, the whole concept becomes very hard to grasp. Mm-hmm. Because the moment we start looking for something, again, you're back in your mind. Well, where is it that, you know, do I have to look in the fridge or do I have to look somewhere else? And you've gone back into the, the concrete part of reality, mm-hmm. which is certainly where experience will not come from, or it may appear to come from, but doesn't come from there. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one, and just that kind of the idea that well, if I could expand that space between reality and perception of it, if you like, then maybe I'd find a few answers like clarity and all mm. that kind of stuff. And we, it's, it's mentioned. He speaks about this later on. You know how how we describe, but we we will get to that later on. Actually, it's how everything is described. You know, it's the the for me. It was like it would be the Tao for the for the Oriental cultures, if you like. It's the Tao or the va- the void, and then nearer to us, it's the divine or the one or all this kind of thing. So it it. Just like three lines got very philosophical for me. Mm. So I think I'll shut up now. (laughs) But that's what's so interesting for me about doing this process this way is like if if we were just reading this book normally, you would have read those two or three sentences and just moved on. (laughs) Yeah. And not even given a second thought. Right. So. And it's exactly what I did do before we did this. It's exactly Mm -hmm. what I do. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> it, it's exactly what I do when I want to keep going because I don't get it. Mm. So for me, to go, yeah, really, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the first time I read this, as as with lots of um, paragraphs, I thought, yeah, I I really don't get that. So I'll just I'll skip on and and get back to it. Whilst you were speaking there, Lane, I and I have not again. I don't have as as you don't seem to. I don't have the right answer either. But there was something came up for me, and I'm thinking about a conversation we had yesterday about is it is this the bit between the knowing and the not knowing, or the seeing and the not seeing? If we're to use different language, um, that bit in the middle seems to be, and the bit that's you know it's a bit harder to get our hands around, or or if we're thinking about it intellectually, we just can't grasp it. Mm. Um, I've heard Elsie uh, Spittle described. Sid used to talk about that as knowing versus knowing. So it was like knowing with a lower case K versus knowing with like a capital K. Yeah, interesting. Sorry to, if I threw your. No, 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 no. Mm. I, I don't have any more to say about that. So yeah. that was what came up. For me. One of the things that jumped out at me was how many times Jamie has written. 100 <laughs> percent mm. right and, and again i think i mentioned that earlier like just banging this drum of 
you know, it means that 100% of your experience of the world out there is being generated from within. And then on the next page, 100% of your experience of the objects is being gem- generated from the consciousness within you. Your entire experience of out there is taking place inside of you. Um, it was funny. I, I had a massage yesterday and I was lying there. And it was kind of interesting because as I'm getting my back worked on, I'm like, I had the realization, oh, this is kind of like an insight-friendly space because I started coming up with ideas and thinking about stuff. Um, kind of like my physical body, I was just like kind of ignoring because, the you know, if you've ever had a deep tissue massage, like it's not necessarily the most pleasant thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just kind of in my happy place, ignoring what my body was going through and just thinking of things. So then I, and then I came, I was thinking about this chapter going back to like, oh, even my experience of this massage, like there's clearly a person standing over me, leaning into my muscles with all of their weight. And that's cut, you know, you know, that force is coming from out there. But my experience of it, 100% of that is coming from within um, through the principle of thought. And there's a number of times where she'd found like a knot or something that was particularly painful. And I was sitting like lying there thinking, like, oh, I'm making up this label of what this sensation means. Like, what if I just experience this feeling without the label? And it's not like I was trying to get into like, a, oh, I want this to feel good. But it was just like, what what happens <laughs> if I just don't immediately put this label of what it I normally would on that sensation? Um, anyway, it, it was just kind of an amazing experience in the moment, of, in the timing of having read this chapter and exploring this, like even that when you're, you know, it's, and I think it's, you know, to go back to a little bit of what Elaine was saying, like, I'm creating that experience in the moment, but I'm creating another experience of experiencing that experience in the moment. And I'm creating that too. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. our ability to create all these layers and levels um, simultaneously without even knowing we're doing it is, is incredible. I like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I underlined as well the number of times that Jamie says that, and not only in this chapter, and so it goes on, you know, mm. as, as we just see. Um, you know, to the point where I, I was kind of thinking, oh, for God's sake, you know, give me, give me a break with this. I was sick <laughs> of hearing. And then it sort of occurred to me, well, mm, there must be something in this. Mm. And I realized what I was thinking, well, yeah, yeah, I get that. But of course, every time I I saw it written again, I thought, well, obviously there's something you're not getting that, that in this case, the author Jamie is saying that should create this experience in this case of slight irritation and slight boredom mm-hmm. at the repetition, which indeed is is has been one of my very own characteristics. And I often experience irritation and boredom. Now there's a thing. Mm. <laughs> and and then the other thing, I'm just because we're on the same page, the, the little box he puts in about 
perceptual adaptation, and he explains the 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 experiment that the psychologist George Stratton performed, wearing his inversion glasses. Mm. And as I was reading that, and I, the first time I read that, I thought, well, that's interesting and very very interesting. And then the second time I read it, I thought, God Almighty, that's actually scary because I was actually imagining myself doing that thing, like suddenly waking up one morning and seeing everything upside down and how, for me, was scary. Mm. And again, a most beautiful example of exactly what Jamie is saying. How can something I've just read in a book actually be scary? Mm. How can, How can that be? But I, I promise you, it, it, it. I started feeling a bit, a little bit sick because I could sort of imagine this strange mm. feeling of being upside down. Mm. You know, I could feel it, a bit like if you're suddenly in an aeroplane and it does some nosedive or something, or the, you know, roller coaster, and you go whooshing down somewhere. You're in a completely different visual sort of thing, which is connected to your ears and your balance and all the rest of it. Mm. Hence, seasickness. Let's say I was literally feeling a little bit. Sick, mm. and then how can that be possible? So, so I thought, you know, that's a, a beautiful example, if, if nothing, of exactly the number of times you re, you know repeats that you believe that your perceptual reality or your reality is is like real. Mm. Yeah, I, I like his metaphor of the special effects, the best special effects uh, department in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we fall for it every time. Yeah, yeah. Here's the example. Yeah, it made me think of a, a um, something that happened this morning and how we how we have emotion without realizing we've had a thought that's created the emotion. Mm. So I saw something clearly caused something and and there were tears running down my face but I didn't there was no time between the looking I didn't see I wasn't conscious that there was time between the looking and thinking you know there was no like oh that's made me sad or that made me something I, I didn't have any thought associated to it and all of a sudden there are tears streaming down my face but I thought and then I thought about it because I'm like okay how did that happen without associating any thought to that image mm. I had an emotional reaction so I was I was super I was super super curious about that that's I mean how it's just it's rapid whatever happens is our reactions are rapid they're they're less than milliseconds surely yeah for that to be the case it's yeah. instantaneous instantaneous yeah it's, yeah it's just well, it makes me think of uh especially in today's culture, you know, the idea of being triggered, right? And, and you know, the, this this notion that uh, your experience of reality is created moment to moment from within your consciousness using the power of thought. Like somebody who's triggered is saying that whatever it is that triggered them is out there. Mm -hmm. And they have, you know, they have no um, part of it or no responsibility for it. Meanwhile, the the truth is, how it really works is 100% of that experience of being triggered came from them. It had nothing to do with the trigger itself. And I, and it just made me think like, uh, especially in today's social media centric world, 
how powerful it would be if people woke up to the, the truth of this. Um, you know, we wouldn't have to tiptoe around each other or worry about all kinds of stuff that, that we worry about on a day-to-day basis. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's another line here. Of, this is like several pages over from the first place where the 100% showed up. But here it's, Jamie says, we each live in a psychological reality. Our perceptual experience is 100% mind-made using the reality principle, the power of thought. So again, just that 100% notion. And I'll tell you a story. Yesterday, my son came home from school. They had an award ceremony at school, giving out the awards for the previous school year. So he got an award for uh, high honor, so 90% plus average. And of course, my wife and I were like, oh, that's great. You worked so hard and whatever. And uh, later, we were in the kitchen alone and he was saying, you know, um, it's really not that big a deal. I don't even care that much that I got this award. And he goes, it's kind of weird. Like it's almost like he wanted the award to mean more to him than it actually meant. <laughs> and I said, I go, Oh, well, I have a theory about that. And mm-hmm. he goes, Oh, what's that? And I said, well, I think you're, you know, from a lot of the discussions we've had and stuff that, um, your feeling of accomplishment and your motivation and all that doesn't come from outside of you. It comes from within you. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's nice to get a medal and get a recognition, but you don't need it. Your, your happiness and your sense of accomplishment isn't coming from the medal. Like, you know, you didn't need this award ceremony to validate what you've done. Um, anyway, it was, it was just like the kind of conversation two years ago, I would never have imagined having <laughs> with anybody, let alone my kid, um, about the nature of thought and, and where our experience comes from. So it was it was kind of cool to see how what I'm learning is kind of rubbing off uh, in my family. So nice. I just need to interrupt very quickly and get my earphones because otherwise we're going to get noise disturbance. Okay, Give me go for it. Go ahead. The hundred percent, the non-negotiable, isn't it? I mean, that's basically what all these. Yeah, say. I mean, I don't know if I don't recall if Jamie says it in here, but when he talk, when Jamie usually talks about it, he says one hundred percent, no exceptions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's where, in so many pages of the book, I'm just like, yeah, kind of. I, I'm, you know, I still yeah. there's this. It feels slippery. Some of it. Yeah. Still to me, I can and I get caught up, you know, caught up. Yeah. Which is 100% natural. I, I think that's, um, I don't want to say it's a trap necessarily, but it, it's a con. What I've experienced myself and what I've seen with other people as they get, when you first start, at least this has been my experience, when I first started into this, you think, oh, I'm going to figure this out and I'll never fall into that trap again. <laughs> yeah. And then you keep falling yeah. for it. And then you go through this like period of time where it's like beating yourself up for like, how could I, I know this, why am I falling for it again? And then then there's like some level of frustration or judgment around it. And then for me anyway, it was like the realization, oh, like it, it, it's the special effects are so good. (laughs) You're going to fall for it. So don't, don't worry about it. Like it's, 
Um, you don't even have to think about it or worry about it. It's just, you know, and, and I don't know. I've often thought like, when is it valuable to know that it's not an outside in world? Right. So maybe the flip side of that, when is it valuable? So like when I'm suffering or when I'm in a bad feeling, um, when it's not serving me, for me, that's when it's valuable to know that, oh, it doesn't work that way. This is an inside job. And then I can fall out of that thinking. And the flip side of that is, but when I'm um, at a movie and really enjoying the movie, I don't want to know that it's just a movie. I want to, <laughs> I want to think that this is real or when I'm in a great feeling with my family, I want to think that that feeling is coming from my family because it, it's such a good feeling. Like I don't need to, like when it's serving me or when it's good, I don't need to fall out of it. I can just bask in it and it doesn't matter that I've fallen for the outside in illusion. Um, so that that's kind of where I've landed on too. Is it like there are times when it's great to be caught in the outside in illusion. <laughs> um, like you don't have to, even though it works this way 100% of the time, you don't have to believe it 100% of the time. Or worry about it. Or worry about it 100% yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also I think when it's, um, when it's useful to see it is when it's not only for us, but if someone around us is going through something and we can see it for mm -hmm. them, we don't necessarily have to point it out every time, but at least we can see it. And that stops us falling into a trap of mm. so many things, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great point because I, I don't know about you, but it's so much easier to see it for other people <laughs> than it is to see it for yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, and somehow, though, I think how how we, like, like as, as if Greg is saying, like, there's, well, it's okay and there's nothing wrong with that I see it like that, especially when the feeling is good, that's okay. But knowing that it doesn't work like that and seeing it when it doesn't work like that and and that 100% of the time it doesn't work out like that because I, I'm thinking that those good feelings often can then lead to future bad feelings. Mm. You know, like... Or should the circumstance provide for you something like loss of a loved one mm. or anything as, as unpleasant, let's say, for want of a better word, as that, it also, the knowing that good or bad, they're never coming from anywhere else except inside of you, mm. which it, it, it can keep you out of like you know, the the big crash, mm. if you like. Because if we keep on seeking in the same way that good feeling, knowing that it, it is indeed dependent or believing that it's dependent on your outside circumstance, you know, where really we really are not prepared for that moment, let's say, in the case of sudden loss of a loved one. Yeah. We're totally unprepared for that. Mm. And we're also totally unprepared for a natural disaster, mm. which is way beyond anybody's control. You know, they're all out of our control. Mm. So, mm. so again, you know, yeah, okay, 
have that feeling if that's what looks good and get married and have your kids and yeah. go out for barbecues and do all those things and buy that car, have the house, do all of it, but just know that, you know, it it's not where that good feeling is coming from. Yeah. And it sort of puts up, to me, it, it, it sort of puts kind of a balance on things, a nice little balance, mm. you know, it's sort of, Keeping your boat on even keel, sort of thing. Yeah, the way you described that, it was kind of like it, it creates an upper and a lower limit on the bandwidth of it, right? Like it keeps you in that safe zone. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to read the uh, the thought experiment here, and then we can take a few minutes to. To play with that. So this is on page 42, thought experiment. Take a few moments to look around you, tune into whatever sounds you hear and become aware of any tactical sensations that you can feel. What happens when you consider the fact that 100% of the experience of your senses is being generated by thought moment to moment, that the fabric of your experiential reality out there is in fact being generated by your mind? So I, I just had one literally because above the room that I'm recording this in is our master bedroom ensuite. And uh, my wife's up there brushing her teeth or doing something, running the water. So like, I just hear this noise of the water coming on and I immediately jump in my head to thinking about like, how is this going to affect the recording? Is the microphone going to mm -hmm. pick up that noise? Can't believe she's doing this. Like she knows I'm recording this. <laughs> And it just makes me laugh, like, kind of, Lynn, to your point, like, the instantaneous <laughs> nature of it. Like, immediately, I'm already into, like, a thought storm of stuff. And then no sooner am I caught up in it, and then the water shuts off and everything's fine and nothing, you know, <laughs> nothing's happened. That's funny. Except I put myself through the ringer for, you know, 10 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I remember the first time we had this thought experiment in one of our sessions a long time with Jamie and I literally sat there going, what? That it made zero sense to me. I just, I, the thoughts creating feelings and all of that I'm, I'm cool with, but this, like look around you and, and I'm like, man, I don't, I just, I'm not buying it. I don't get it. I just, I, I just couldn't, brain couldn't go there. Mm -hmm. And having read it now a gazillion times, I, I'm st I'm still not a hundred percent there. I'm like, and I get your example there. That is a great example. But when I'm looking, so I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing um, my exercise bag hanging on me. So, oh, there it is. <laughs> I'm seeing the exercise bag hanging on the door when I closed the door, and I was thinking, there it is. And I got, I remember when I sat down getting a bit distracted, realizing I forgot I put that thing there and I was looking for that last week. I never mm. closed the door, rarely closed the door. There it is. Oh, how funny is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I'm, That's very I'm, funny. Oh, man. It is. I'm, very, I'm red now. I'm actually embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my experience just going through that in my mind and, you know, looking around. And you know, classic housewife paranoia. I started seeing all the dust 
<laughs> oh my god, I'll have to do that. And then I, and then I sort of just moved on. And I thought, well, I'm going to close my eyes and see what happens. And there was a moment where I had a kind of like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I've got nothing to think about now. And it was like, so you better have something to think about, haven't you? Mm. And now that was really interesting because with my eyes closed, it it was as, almost as if like there's something telling me, well, you can't just hang around there and think of nothing. To <laughs> so think of something and preferably something dusty or, you know, or that needs a wash or a, mm. a bit of a hoover or something like that. Really weird. It's this almost non-acceptance of, of that space where things do indeed come from. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm, it's almost something telling me, like, you're just not allowed to do that. You know, your your creation is not able to do that. You, you can't have that thing. Mm. Which I, was sort of interesting. You know, just again, seconds, brief seconds, and then I'm out of it, and you think, oh, yeah. But it was, it was curious, the, the closing my eyes and thinking... Which would have been wonderful had I let it go on for a bit longer. Like, well, now what am I thinking about? And I always remember Lynn often asked me that that question when I'm when I'm in a bit when I'm in a state. Lynn will say, "Well, what's your next thought going to be?" Mm. And I, I don't know. <laughs> like everything just drops away. Yeah. But having no guidance and being there on my own sort of thing, it was it was like, oh my goodness, I'm not thinking anything, and like that was terrible in itself. So weird. And then I snapped out of it, of course. But interesting, yeah. interesting. If you can't see it, it's not there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the notion of the one thought away kind of idea, right? Like you're yeah. you're one one thought away. I forget the exact Sid Banks quote, but it's like you know one one thought away from mental health or mental one thought away from clarity. Yeah, very yeah I think Michael, well, yeah, and Michael Neal, what is it? It's one thought away from happiness. Mm. I think, yeah. Or pretty much anything. I mean, think anything, yeah. anything. Like we could be sitting here right now, you know, you you didn't realise you were one thought away of Greg from being a bit annoyed with your wife for brushing her teeth. You didn't know yeah, that was going to Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, yeah, I, what, what's occurring to me with that notion is that uh, the transient nature of thought, right? Like it's not permanent. Like I can be in a terrible mood one moment and in a perfectly fine or happy mood the next, like it's, I don't have to be locked in uh, to whatever I'm feeling. It, you know, literally the hundred percent of your experience being created moment to moment, like literally from one moment to the next, you can be feeling anything or thinking anything. Yeah. What just what just came to me when you said that there is when you call someone and you're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm having a bad day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am having a bad day. Like mm -hmm. somehow the day is, you know, doing something to us, uh, them, whatever. Yeah. We think that ourselves. You get up and I'm having a bad day, yeah. uh, and and then we so when you think about it like this and you're like, okay, and then so what's different from today from yesterday 
or what's different from this moment than 10 minutes ago because the you know the good mood bad mood yeah. they're, they're so fleeting and changeable that you know it's it's almost kind of funny when you think about it that um we that's us we're blaming the day for us not feeling good like the day's yeah. <laughs> what's the day doing it's just the day but yeah, yeah so, that's good. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up chapter three there. 